If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 667. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll. And then buy one or 20 of my classes there. It keeps this podcast free of charge. You can also support the show if you're watching on YouTube by clicking on the Super Thanks button under the video. If you like the video, if you like any of the old podcasts, and I've got a lot of them out there, over 600, you can click on that Super Thanks button and throw a few pennies my way. Also... You can go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on the support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way that way. Go to anchor.fm, become a monthly subscriber there. You can throw a few pennies my way. Of course, you can also purchase my logo and all kinds of cool stuff at the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. But the another great way to support the show free of charge is simply just to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you like it. Share it around on social media. Send me those show requests. That's the interaction I want. That helps me produce content. Now... <clears throat> The topic I want to talk about today is actually pretty funny. And when I say it's pretty funny, it's because of who this is happening to. If anyone is on social media, particularly Twitter, you've probably come across Kevin Cruz. Kevin Cruz is a professor of history at Princeton University. And Kevin Cruz is the one of the most notorious, quote-unquote, Twitter historians. And what do I mean by notorious? He is the guy that runs around uh, fact-checking, quote-unquote, anything a conservative says on social media or on I mean, mainstream, whatever it is. This is the guy that's supposedly the watchdog, or they call him the attack dog for the left on Twitter from a historical standpoint. And it's one person said he's snark with footnotes. Now, Kevin Cruz blocked me years ago because I had the audacity to ask a question. I said, show me one evidence, one, one thing where it says that a monument, on the monument itself, for a Confederate monument was put up for white supremacy or uh, for race or whatever the reason is. And he gave me David Blight's Race and Reunion book as a site uh, to, to cite. Now, of course, um, this was years ago, and one of his little minions said, I'd love to see this guy give an erudite review of Race and Reunion. So I did, right? I mean, this the, I, don't know, I think the next podcast or the very next two, two later, when I had some time, uh, I did. And uh, these people think that they're above everybody, right? They're above, they're so much more intelligent than anyone else. And that nobody has any type of knowledge but them. Now, since that, of course, we've had a couple of dopes come out with these books on uh, Karen Cox as one. And uh, there's a little twit that now is a professor of history at Auburn University wrote a little book on um, the Silent Sam Monument, essentially, North Carolina Confederate Monuments. But Julian Carr is featured prominently in that book and others. And, of course, his premise is that these people were racist, so the Confederate monuments are racist. Um, and he, he got a tenure-track position off of this book. And it is better research than a lot of other books. 
But of course, it, it, it's got some issues, and I'll probably review that one at some point too. But regardless, that kicked off, of course, 2015 kicked off a whole slew, a new era of uh, anti-Confederate books. But regardless, Kevin Cruz um, is one of these individuals that you just root for to fail. And in this case, he has. And when I say that, Cruz was critical of people for plagiarism. There was a member of the uh, Trump administration that was accused of plagiarism. And um, Cruz essentially said that, you know, well, as a historian, as an academic, someone from an Ivy League school, we would fail someone. We would, we would get rid of someone, essentially, if they plagiarized like this. Now, we know the commander-in-chief if you want to use that term, is a plagiarist, right? I mean, he, he was booted from the, or he had to you know, withdraw from the 1988 primary season for president because it was shown that he was a plagiarist. And he did it over and over again. But yet Kevin Cruz gleefully endorsed Joe Biden and, of course, supported Biden's uh, candidacy and, I'm sure, his presidency. But what happened recently is really interesting. In the last month, a man named Phil Magnus discovered that Kevin Cruz had plagiarized not just his dissertation, but also one of his more important books. And he published this in Reason Magazine, now or Reason Online, I should say. Now, Phil Magnus has written a really good book on Lincoln, about Lincoln's colonization plans. Phil Magnus, in fact, was uh, featured in the 1619 Project until they figured out he was against their new history of capitalism. Um, Magnus is meticulous. And when I say meticulous, I mean that in the best sense. He likes to go out and... Um, really dig into things. In particular, if somebody writes something, he wants to verify stuff. And so that's that's a noble quality. I mean, you want to go out and verify things. And I would say that the left is more sloppy on this than most people, than, than most, right? I mean, I'm not saying the right isn't sloppy because it can be. And anybody can be sloppy. People make mistakes. That's understandable. Every historian makes mistakes, including yours truly. Everyone does. There, there's no doubt about it. People make mistakes. But when you do it uh, with uh, the intention, I mean, your, your intention is to make a mistake. And in, when it comes to plagiarism, you do it and you know you're doing it, which clearly Cruz knew he was doing it. That makes you a fraud. And I think this is the funniest thing. Now, this has really picked up steam. I'm surprised about how many people have jumped on this. Cruz has a very large following on Twitter, and since this broke, he's only tweeted one time in the last month. Why? Because he knows he's been caught. Because he knows that he now is a fraud, and he knows that if he was still out there running around tweeting and doing everything, people would just attack him over this relentlessly, or they'd make him bring it up all the time. He knows that he's been busted. And um, Magnus apparently contacted him, and Cruz kind of sheepishly said something about it. Well, thanks for pointing this out. I, I didn't know. Of course he knew. Of course he knew. He knew he was doing this. He did it in his dissertation. He knew he was doing it. And so this is the, this is the funniest part of all this. Now, American Spectator wrote an article about it, and it's by Jack uh, Cashill. And this is such a good article. Um, and the title is, Ivy Plagiarism Pandemic Invades Princeton. Princeton professor Kevin Cruz routinely attacked others for plagiarism, but now has been discovered to be an offender himself. So what do you do with that? Should Princeton get rid of Cruz? Of course. If they have no tolerance for this, if Cruz is on record, publicly on record, saying that Princeton has no toleration for plagiarism, well then, what about Kevin Cruz? 
should Princeton uh, terminate Kevin Cruz? Well, I mean, if that's their stance, then they should. Now, we know they're not going to. And the piece points this out, that uh, they never would do this. But they should. I mean, if this is if this is what they believe in, this kind of integrity, then Kevin Cruz should be uh, looking for a job. Now, of course, some other university would pick him up pretty quickly, but not Princeton. And in fact, he couldn't probably work in an Ivy League school. He'd have to go somewhere else. But somebody would pick him up, and they'd probably give him a chair somewhere or do something because, you know, he's Kevin Cruz on Twitter. Now, uh, the the piece that I wrote years ago, by the way, uh, Robert E. Lee versus Twitter Historians, I mentioned it yesterday. Part of that was uh, in response to Cruz, but also to one of his uh, syncophants on Twitter, the tattooed professor, right, uh, Kevin Gannon, um, who I didn't mention by name in the piece, but when he blocked me because I wrote the piece, and I mean, that just is funny. Now, um, here we go. The one obvious clue that President Joe Biden did not attend an Ivy League university is this. When busted for plagiarism, Biden suffered real-world consequences. In a 1987 Democratic primary debate, while very much a viable candidate, Biden famously lifted a passage from a speech by Neil Kinnock, the former leader of Britain's Labour Party, and tried to pass it off as his own. The Michael Dukakis campaign caught the theft, and the media, still in their journalism phase, went digging for more purloined pearls of Biden wisdom. They were not hard to find. Under pressure, Biden had to confess that he had plagiarized a paper while in law school, the Syracuse University Law School, that is, and he was out of the presidential race even before the corn stalks withered in Iowa. As Biden learned the hard way, a Syracuse University affiliation offers no immunity to the plagiarism bug. Harvard's does, Yale's does, and Princeton's will likely do the same. But even the Ivy League schools require the individual to boost his, her, their natural Ivy immunity with renewable doses of progressive toxins. And this is the point. All of these people that are caught plagiarizing have the correct public opinions. And so they can get away with it. That's the whole point. I mean, if you have the correct public opinions, you can get away with anything in the profession. So, um, and, and Cruz has the correct public opinions. So they'll, they'll give him a slap on the wrist. I'm sure they'll do something to him. They'll make him, you know, have some type of public apology. And I was a student. I, I didn't know what I was doing or whatever. It's unintentional, whatever. Um, and then they'll move on. Uh, but he is going to have to come out with something. Now, he hasn't yet. It's been a month, and he hasn't yet. And I'm probably when the fall semester gets back into swing. It's summer. Um, maybe by the end of the summer, he might have to come out with something like this. And even the left started calling him out for it. Hey, look, if you really did this, you've got to come out. and We have to hold you accountable. You have to come out and say something about it. He just isn't willing to do that yet because it's embarrassing. And he has such an ego, he can't really be embarrassed. The piece continues, no Ivy Leaguer has done more to earn his immunity than history's attack dog, Princeton University professor Kevin Cruz. In addition to his more prosaic tasks at Princeton, Cruz has assumed the responsibility of patrolling the daily news. Online, observes Emma Pettit in the Chronicle of Higher Education, the historian specializes in serialized posts called threads that lend historical context to breaking news or skewer a version of history spouted by right-wing agitators. It is the skewering that has netted Cruz's 55, I'm sorry, 502,000 followers on Twitter. Now, Twitter threads are ridiculous. I know people use them. I think they're stupid. It's not what Twitter was actually designed for. If you want to do that, then go write something somewhere in long form. Um, I think I've done it once or twice, and it's been like two. Uh, but uh, Cruz and then the Tattoo Professor and others, they made this habit of writing these threads that were you know 20 posts long or longer. 
uh, and they're they're go through all this stuff. I mean, it's it's tiring and stupid, but this is what the left loves to do. In May 2017, Cruz took particular pleasure in slicing and dicing former Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark. Clark set himself up for the kill by announcing his likely appointment as Assistant Secretary in the Department of Homeland Security under President Donald Trump. As a conservative and an African-American, he made a tempting target for leftists eager to show blacks the consequences of thinking for themselves. And this is true, too, right? I mean, we know the left and Clarence Thomas, and we know what they do. They, If you get off the, the reservation, the leftist reservation, well, then you're going to be attacked mercilessly because you're not in the proper groupthink for your race. And so we know that uh, David Clark fit that. Andrew Kaczynski of CNN's K-File took the first stab at Clark's reputation, accusing him of having, quote, plagiarized portions of his master's thesis on Homeland Security. This was a low blow. A police officer by profession, Clark never pretended to be a scholar. In fact, he didn't graduate from college until he was 43 years old, and only then through a continuing education program. Mistakes he made on the thesis were amateurish, the sort one routinely sees on papers at this level, excuse me. Still compared to Dr. Jill Biden's botch of a doctoral dissertation, Clark's thesis was downright Aristotelian. And this is, or you could put Michelle Obama in that. I mean, these people that are in the elite establishment, most of them write garbage. But of course, uh, because Clark is a conservative, well, he's going to be blistered for this. Clark tweeted back, quote, this is a CNN, this is CNN hack, K-file oppa research uh, to accuse is to accuse plagiarism. I'm next. Did it to Rand Paul, Monica Crowley, etc. Clark's defiance only provoked the left. Prowling the blogosphere for conservative prey, histor- history's attack dog moved in for the kill. Cruz tweeted of Clark, quote, if he wants someone with more credentials to say it, I'm a professor. This is textbook plagiarism. We'd expel a student who pulled this. Now, that is the important quote. He says they'd expel a student who pulled plagiarism. So what are you going to do with Kevin Cruz, who now has been shown to be a plagiarist? Do you fire him? Does Princeton fire Kevin Cruz for this? Well, I mean, if, if you base it on what Cruz says here, well, then they should. He should be gone. He should be forced to resign. The question that conservative scholar Phil Magnus has been asking is whether we, presumably Princeton, would expel a professor who pulled this. In a June 14 article in Reason, Magnus makes a compelling case that Cruz Cruz did consciously what Clark did innocently, and then some. Cruz extracted several passages from a book by retired historian Ronald Bayer, tweaked them just a tad, and placed them unsighted in his own Ph.D. dissertation from Cornell. What follows is one of many samples from Magnus. Now, I could go through the Magnus piece, and he gives you a couple of quotes. And Now, there was another post out there that tried to defend Cruz, and I don't think it did a very good job. In fact, it did a downright awful job. But... Um, the fact is, there were some that tried to circle the wagons around Cruz and say, you know, we're going to defend him. But I was surprised. A lot of leftists didn't do it. <clears throat> Maybe it's because Cruz is such a jerk. He's a pompous jerk that nobody really wanted to. But the fact is, um, Magnus did find these things. And again, this is where it comes down to intent. Cruz did it on purpose. Cruz did it on purpose. Bayer. This is the quotes now. Bayer, for many reasons, Atlanta appeared to be a good city to study for such an analysis. It had a singular place in the South as a transportation and business center. It is a leading New South and Sunbelt center. It was a headquarters city for a number of civil rights organizations and is center of black higher education. And it has hailed itself as a city too busy to hate, one of progressive race relations. That's what Bayer said in his book. This is what Cruz said in his dissertation. Quote, 
Atlantis struck me as a logical site for such an analysis. It holds a singular place as the political and economic leader of the New South. It served as a headquarters for a number of civil rights organizations. It has been the center of black higher education. Furthermore, Atlanta has hailed itself as a city too busy to hate, one of progressive race relations. End quote. <laughs> it's almost word for word. And he doesn't cite Bayer. That's the problem, you see. If you do something that close, as Magnus has pointed out, you better cite it. But he didn't cite it. Now, if he had cited it, there'd be no, there'd be no question here. You could just put that, well, put a footnote there and say, here, this, you know, you could put some of this in quotations, or you could say, as Bayer said, or something like that. Then there's no, there's no issue here. Following up, Magnus asked Cruz to provide some explanation for what appeared to be textbook plagiarism, and it was. The attack dog whimpering in response that yes, Magnus whimpered in response that yes, Magnus had, quote, found instances here in where I inartfully or incompletely paraphrased the offending passages. In the four weeks since the Reason article appeared, the self-muzzled Cruz has posted only one innocuous tweet. His half-million Twitter groupies have to be disappointed. In the seven years prior, Cruz had been churning out more than 20 tweets a day on average. I mean, think about that. He has not tweeted but once since June 14th. And this is true. I went, I mean, I'm blocked, but you can, of course, you can just look at Twitter without logging in, and you can see that this is true. This is exactly what's happened with Kevin Cruz. Magnus doubts that Princeton would give Cruz the boot. In an age of declining academic rigor, he writes certain works seem to get a pass, provided that they promote particular ideological narratives that enjoy a following among elite academics and journalists. This is true. Recent history gives Magnus all the evidence he needs to reinforce his pessimism. If the Ivy League is to plagiarism what the SEC is to football, then Harvard is its Alabama, often the champ, always a contender. In 2002, while serving on the university's governing board, Harvard PhD Doris Kearns Goodwin got caught stealing at least 50 passages from her book on the Kennedys from Lynn McTaggart, author of a biography of Kathleen Kennedy. The plagiarism was so blatant it should have, been, it should have killed Goodwin, uh, Goodwin's career, but the Harvard connection, combined with her TV presence and her reliable liberal syncophancy, got her a wrist slap for the literary equivalent of a felony. And this is, I mean, this is why Goodwin, I, I, I mean, anyone that cites Goodwin um, is, I think, doing themselves a disservice. I mean, Goodwin is a terrible historian. She, she's a plagiarist. She's a plagiarist. <clears throat> and of course, her team of rivals, oh, we got to make it. We just, they just did a, a show, a, a, a docu-series on team of rivals, essentially. They, they had her all over it. Here's a plagiarist on, you know, it was a you know, major miniseries on Lincoln. There it is. And, and gets a pass. In the early part of this century, the legal duo of Charles Ogletree and Lawrence Tribe learned a, uh, teamed up in a bit of nonsense that would have embarrassed the average community college. In September 2004, law professor Ogletree was forced to admit that his book, All Deliberate Speed, contained an almost verbatim six-paragraph passage from what Brown v. Board of Education should have said, a book by Yale Law School professor Jack Balkin. In his formal apology, Ogletree blamed two assistants for inadvertently deleting the, attribu uh, the at uh, attribution to Balkin. As the black progressive mentor of the Democratic Party's new rising rock star, Barack Obama, Ogletree could have shot the two assistants and kept his Harvard gig. In Cambridge, swiping another's work and then lying about it was no big deal. And again, he, he was protected by Obama. He was Obama's guy. And he was had all the right things to say. Now, can you imagine if you know they caught Clarence Thomas with this? 
Clarence Thomas would be, I mean, he'd be impeached over this, right? But this guy gets a pass. So does Goodwin. Professor Lawrence Tribe was tight with Obama as well, but as a woke supernova, he had no need for outside help. Two years earlier, when the student editors at the Harvard Crimson attacked Goodwin, Tribe attacked the editors. That was his style. Before Ogletree confessed to his sins, Tribe overwhelmed Ogletree's accusers with his star power. So annoying was Tribe's offense of Ogletree that an anonymous tipster alerted the weekly standard, then in its conservative phase, to the fact that Tribe had problems of his own. Apparently, he had lifted numerous passages from Henry J. Abrams' 1974 book, Justices and Presidents, and inserted them in his 1985 book, God Save This Honorable Court. Weeks after Ogletree's apology, Tribe had to go public with his own apology. Tribe said, quote, I have immediately written an apology to Professor Abram, whom I, like so many others, hold in the highest regard. Compelled to review the two cases, then Harvard Law School Dean Elena Kagan and then Harvard President Larry Summers dithered for months before finally declaring the offenses of their legal luminaries inadvertent. Now think about that. Elena Kagan is now on the Supreme Court. And yet, because these people have the correct seat, she's, she's all about politics in the right positions. Elena Kagan is a policy justice, not a real justice. This is the problem with Elena Kagan. And of course, look at what's happened here. I mean, this goes on. Obama appoints Kagan. You can see the incestuous nature of all of this stuff. At this level, inadvertent was no worthier an excuse for Tribe and Ogletree than it had been for Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server. Nonetheless, it provided enough cover to allow the media to look the other way. Of course, no discussion of Harvard is complete without reference to Harvard PhD and serial plagiarist extraordinaire Fareed Zakaria. In 2009, the Atlantic's Jeffrey Goldberg caught him lifting unattributed quotes from Goldberg's interview with Benjamin Netanyahu. In 2012, Time and CNN suspended him for swiping material from a New Yorker column. In 2014, two bloggers dissected the delightful detail Zakaria's lifelong pattern of pilfering the passage of others. Yet Zakaria's high-flying career has been wobbled, wrote Andrew uh, Bojan approvingly in The Washingtonian. He still hosts a show on CNN, still writes a column for The Washington Post, and last year published yet another conversation starting book. The Harvard part helps. The leftist politics are essential, but being a prominent Muslim is what saved, can I say this, Zakaria's bacon, which is pretty funny. So here we have all of these cases of plagiarism coming from Harvard. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's just embarrassing. And yet all these leftists get a pass, whereas Clark was run, raked through the coals. And, of course, Joe Biden, too. Joe Biden's not one of the club. He's not in the Ivy League club. If you're in the Ivy League club, you get a pass. Speaking of which, busted Yale Law School professor Ian Ayers penned a bacon-saving Washington Post op-ed last year, much more eye-popping than his pathetically routine offense. To quote the New York, to quote the Yale Daily News, excuse me, quote, several passages in Yale Law School professor Ian Ayers' new book are unattributed verbatim reproductions or nearly identical paraphrases of passages from various newspaper and magazine articles published in the last 20 years. Ho-hum, another day, another Ivy scandal. But the opening credit of the op-ed may have assured Ayers' lifetime immunity from plagiarism prosecution. It reads, quote, Ian Ayers is a professor and deputy dean at Yale Law School. Their preferred pronoun is they. Now, there is a clever human person, right? So, because he has the correct opinions, Ian Ayers will never be prosecuted for this, will never be booted from his job, nothing like that. 
Now, if the left wants to get serious, they would take these people down, but they don't want to get serious. An Ivy affiliation, however, does not buy a conservative immunity from anything. Like David Clark in 2017, Monica Crowley was denied the position she shot in the Trump administration on a plagiarism charge. Once again, earthed by CNN trifle, uh, truffle sniffer Andrew Kaczynski. Two years later, after an extensive investigation of her PhD dissertation on America policy toward China, Columbia University cleared Crowley of research misconduct. The New York Times covered the news, but nonetheless headlined its articles, quote, A Columbia inquiry found plagiarism in Monica Crowley's dissertation. As the saying goes, a scandal is only a scandal if the New York Times calls it a scandal on its front page. To date, to no one's surprise, the Times has yet to mention the Cruz incident at Princeton. Now, if it had been Ted Cruz, something would have been different, right? So, um, so yeah, New York Times hasn't covered Kevin Cruz. They're not going to. They cover the conservatives. And, of course, they have a large readership. They don't cover the lefties. This is a problem. And it's a, and I love it that the Spectator, and there's another uh, major uh, conservative outlet, but, I mean, the reason, all of this. And this stuff has been now circulating around. And Cruz has gone silent because he knows he's guilty and he thinks it'll just blow over. So people need to keep talking about it. And if you are a conservative and you went to Princeton, you should be contacting Princeton. Why is this person getting away with this? Why is Kevin Cruz, uh, you know, get, I mean, shouldn't he have an apology at least? Something admitting his his, uh, his plagiarism? Something, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, should he? Uh, this is this is the big question. If you're gonna if you're gonna be history's attack dog and you're gonna go out there and rip people apart for things, well, then you're going to be held up to the same standards. And that's what everybody has to face, right? So this is a, this is a wonderful piece. Again, Jack Cashel uh, did a great job writing this for Spectator. And I wanted to cover it because it is, Kevin Cruz is such a miserable person online uh, that it's just funny to see this happen to him. All right. I'll see you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.